0: It's another edition of Tournament in a Tea Break from Britwatch Sports and with uh, Love Sport Radio's tennis show co-host Anna Smith joining me. Thank you for having me once again. <laughs> I know, I know. We're sort of like a little distracted, so if every now, if every now and again we stop talking, it's because we're watching uh, uh, Andy and uh, Feliciano Lopez play. Um, but anyway... Uh, it's been quite a week, or Toronto certainly was quite a, a week, because um, I feel that that's really where the US Open build up starts.
1: Yeah, it, it's the one where, kind of, I guess, like you said last week, all the big players start to come back and play and, and start their mission for US Open. And, you know, it was interesting to see kind of how the, the big guns got on again, and obviously. Rafa dominated once again, but it was kind of to be expected with who was in the draw and then obviously Serena pulling out in the final. That was a, that was a bit of a turn up for the books.
0: It, it was. So let's let's just chat a little bit about Serena because it looked like this was the best run she'd had for a long while. Uh, you know, I came out of that thinking, OK, this is good. This is good. And she's in a good mind, mindset. She's fit and healthy. Um this looks good, this, you know, possibly, we could be on for 24, and then, you know, Andreescu's run was amazing, and, you know, I, I love, I, there's a lot of hate for her on, on Twitter, but I find it quite refreshing, she's not afraid to drop the odd F-bomb, you know, in her, in her chats with the press and the like, she just doesn't care what she says, and she has a real belief that she has to, you know, even though her limbs are falling off every time she takes to the court, but, Nobody saw that coming. I mean, Samira did look a little... There was a bit in the warm-up, I think, where I I thought, oh, yeah, she's not moving that well in the first game. But I thought nothing of it. And then I looked away. And then the next thing I saw was her crying when the trainer came on. And then Andreescu, who has just learnt how to walk comforting her saying oh i know how it feels because i had loads of injuries i've been there it's like girl you're literally out of nappies what are you talking about yeah to be fair to her she has
1: had a lot of injuries but yeah it was it was just very strange you know in the warm-up yeah she did look a bit i don't know just not quite herself but then i feel like when she does the warm-up anyway she's very she's quite sluggish you know she's very relaxed brings out the one handed back hands and then you know you can never judge anything from serena's warm-ups but yeah it was it was just a bit strange and obviously she was she was very upset and and then when Bianca went over and spoke to her like she was like a thirty five year old as well you know who'd had God knows how many injuries but it was um it was quite nice to see to be fair obviously Serena's probably a an idol of hers and someone she's massively looked up to so you know for her to go over and to to kind of say that and be very supportive is really nice to see. And then, obviously, her winning a home tournament. Another massive title as well, can we say? Two massive titles. Yeah. And, and it's kind of... She's been injured so much as well this year to come out of almost nowhere and just kind of, like, a couple of tournaments back in and, and all of a sudden pick up the title.
0: You're just like, I this mean, is what? crazy. I mean, what, she's played, like, 11 matches or something since... If that, since Indian Wells. And at Indian Wells, she was just, you know, a force of nature. Um... Yeah, she's nineteen years old and she's won two Premier Mandatories.
1: That's that's quite scary already. With
0: with no limbs. <laughs>
1: well, yeah, and hardly having any match practice as well. You know, you you dread to think what's going to happen when she actually yeah gets a full run of training and tournaments and stuff and and what. What she can produce is scary, and she's going to be a force to be reckoned with for a long time to come.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, 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 it amused me. There's so much like Twitter hate for it because I think she's so in your face and in your grill. And of course, there's that famous uh, um, sort of <laughs> comment from a very disgruntled Angie uh, Kerber where she was just like, You know, you're a real drama queen. And then afterwards, she had to kind of back backtrack. But, you know, you can understand Kerber's frustration because no matter... You know, and, and Kerber can run everything down all day long and it just kept coming back and back and back. You know, she's got a lot of variety. Um, I mean, it, it, it amuses me that her and uh, Bouchard are, are quite friendly because there are also a lot of people that are like kind of anybody but Bouchard to win anything. But, um, but you they're, know, they're, yeah, they're quite, they're quite a, a chummy pair. But she's got... She's everything that Bouchard isn't. She's got variety. She's got... Um, I think Bouchard always had that self belief, but you know, but Andreescu's no, got the she does <laughs> <laughs> well quite, but um, but, but Andreescu's the full package. She's got the shots, she's got the power, and you know she's got the brazenness to carry carried off where Bouchard tried that Wimbledon to be so kind of, um, you know, look at me, i have arrived, and I think Kvitova just took it to the woodshed.
1: Yeah, but I think Bouchard's run to the final was a bit of a shock, whereas you kind of see Andrescu having a bit more longevity. Just she has the whole package, you know, she does have that variety and she's so strong. I mean, the size of that for an 18, 19-year-old is phenomenal. You know, she must have had a, a really good strength and conditioning coach for a long time to, to kind of be able to be in that shape. And once she can get rid of these niggles and kind of little things that she's had problems with, then I think we... Uh, we found one of the dominating forces in women's tennis. Yeah,
0: I think it's very exciting when she finally I mean, she finally sort of gets herself together um, and gets a, an injury-free year. Lookout world.
1: Even an injury-free couple of months, yeah. I think. If she can stay injury-free for the rest of this year.
0: Well, she was sensible in dropping Cincy, because um, obviously she went to Miami and then had to pull out, I think, very early on. Um, and this time she dropped Cincy, um, which is a very good thing uh so yeah I, I really um worry about what she's uh what she's going to inflict on the women's tour I think I know it's um, exciting
1: times ahead though I think with all the the young ones coming through and you know even you look at Osaka and Ash Barty and and they're not even old you know sort of their early 20s and, and mid-20s and they're gonna dominate as well so mm. it's it is a really exciting time I think and Again, it's, it's going to be that unpredictable women's tour because there's going to be so many good players coming through and I think the strength and depth of women's tennis at the moment is phenomenal and stronger than it probably ever has been.
0: No, I agree, I agree. I think it, I think it's exciting times. It, it always frustrates me when people are like, oh, you know, we want a, a golden age uh, like the men. It's like, no, we really don't. We really don't. We, we're we perfectly happy with having different slam champions and people jockeying for number one. I think, you know, one person dominating isn't isn't great, as we've seen. No, but we obviously have had that
1: over the sort of last 15 years with Serena and and I suppose Venus started it off kind of to an extent, but it is it is quite nice having the variety. I guess in the men's game they've been blessed with having, you know, sort of three or four guys who have been able to, to share the titles, whereas on the women's, you know, Serena was kind of winning everything, so there wasn't really much variety. But nowadays, as we see, it seems... You know, there's a a new winner every week, and and it is good for the game. And fans are knowing different players, which is quite nice, rather than having just, you know, fans just solely focusing on one player. I think it's good to get more players in the spotlight. I think it can only be good for the game.
0: Yeah, I know, I agree. Um, Talking of the old guard, (laughs) Nadell did his usual. Uh, I'm going to take a long break. I'm going to come back, and I'm going to win and look like a dominating force in Canada. Which he was.
1: Fifth was it a fifth title, I think it yeah. was or something crazy like yeah. that. You don't even you don't even realise how many times these guys are winning tournaments and
0: And he's one of the he's one of the rare players that can actually do it at both both of them. There's like players that do well at Toronto and suck at Montreal or vice versa. Um, and he came in as the defending Montreal champion or mm-hmm. Toronto champion and then won at Montreal or wherever it was. I was got told off by Andy by sort of saying, Oh, it's a, a Canada's all the same thing <laughs> he's like oh i don't know that i would say that if i were you uh,
1: probably not <laughs> maybe not when you're in canada maybe if you're outside you luckily i was in that. cincinnati at the time okay then you're, yeah <laughs> so, then you're all right say so whatever you want
0: <laughs> um but yes do we think that this is a sign of things to come do we think that he is um going to be a force to be reckoned with or do we think he just took advantage of what was effectively a weak draw because the other two of the big three weren't there
1: Hmm. I think that we can never count him out he's in the dial for god's sake he's won 18 slams and obviously proven that he can do it on every single surface so you know time and time again he's proven that he can come back after having a prolonged period of rest and training and then come out and win masters thousands grand slams things like that so you know you definitely can't count him out but again I think with With New York, it's going to be one of the top three who's going to win. I just don't see Mm. how anyone, you know, potentially one guy could have a a great match, but I don't see them backing it up. That's the thing. And then you've got Nadal, Federer, Djokovic to get through if one of them gets...
0: Wait, are you just making a prediction
1: there? I mean, I'm giving a vague (coughs) prediction. I'm not not specifying (laughs) one name exactly, but like a general... (laughs) General observation, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, predicting probably one of the top three, but that's that's hard really a really Is it in the men's, in the men's
0: game? What gets me, I think, is up until he won Roland Garros, I'd I'd never even realized just how close he was to catching Federer. Even though you see the numbers and you just think ah, seventy yeah whatever, and then suddenly when he when it was like eighteen and he's two away. You you start thinking to yourself, well, geez, that's a U.S. Open and an Australian Open, and then he's right up there with Federer. And then he could
1: surpass him at the French yeah. Open.
0: Yeah, and well, he will surpass him at the French yeah. Open. So you know, and so I I for the first time in a long while now, I think actually, yeah, you are a force to be reckoned with in terms of, in terms of this whole greatest of all time. Although in, in my mind, Serena's always going to be the greatest of all time because she's got more of more than the guys, but that loaf in a whole can of worms. <laughs> yeah. Also, Djokovic is is slowly creeping up there. Isn't he? He's, is. he's on
1: sixteen. and You don't quite realise he's won that many, and then all of a sudden he's four behind Roger, and you're thinking, you know, if he does what, one two of his uh, yeah, if he does one of his incredible years again, and, and sort of gets three out of the four slams, and he does that for the next couple of years, like he could be catching Serena up at this rate.
0: I, I definitely think that um now, and I've changed I've changed my opinion over the, over this year. I definitely think that all three of them will hit 20 before they retire. I think Djokovic still will beat Federer's title, or whoever ends up with the most. I think he'll surpass them because he's just that little bit younger and probably a bit more. But yes.
1: But he also doesn't have the competition either, I think. That, yeah. that I think if Roger was younger, I think he would get quite a few more. But obviously now, well, he's just turned 38, I think he has, just yeah. last week or something. So I think... You know, if he could get one more slam, I think he'd be pretty pleased. And then, you know, Rafa, like we were saying, is probably... French Open is obviously his best chance. But then there's not really anyone who's going to beat Djokovic no. on all the other surfaces. You no. Kind of... Rod Laver Arena has become his home. And, and even Wimbledon, Centre Court is kind of becoming a a firm favourite of his. And again, US Open, he just seems... just He's just like a brick wall. He just yeah. doesn't miss. And there's not really anyone who can feel like can dethrone him so you know it wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me if he you know he did end up being the the holder of the most grand slams but then it's that, that debate is he the greatest of all time when you look at how many titles rogers won he's a fan favorite whereas Djokovic isn't so popular yeah. it's, there's a whole debate and so many different areas to look at so it's we I could actually it. devote a podcast
0: just to the criteria for the greatest of all time
1: but that's without even discussing who could be. Just have the (laughs) criteria first and foremost and then try and figure out. But I think it's always going to be a a personal opinion. I don't think there's... You know, you can look at the pros and cons and say Roger's probably the best player of all time to watch in terms of, Mm -hmm. you know, his grace, the way he... his shot-making, whereas Djokovic is probably the greatest athlete we've ever seen play the game. His defence is just out of this world. His anticipation, his speed, his flexibility but would people rather watch Roger or Novak that's the thing and do people like Roger and Novak and and that's where i guess the whole argument comes in and that's where the whole personal opinion probably is yeah. is going to be divided
0: i mean I, I remember watching Federer for the first time when my you know, mum and i used to go to Wimbledon all the time and I, I wasn't a huge fan of his um but like you say he's so balletic it is actually Effortless when you watch him on. I think it was against Hewitt, and it was yeah. You can't help but be impressed. Then on the flip side of the coin, you've got the bullishness literally of of, of Nadal, and then you've got Inspector Gadget, which is which is Djokovic because you can just reach everything. I mean, I find him more fascinating to listen to impress. Um, when he when he's on form, um, he's been a bit beleaguered of, of late with the whole ATV Council stuff, and he gets quite defensive. But in general, I prefer going to his press conferences. Although Federer's mellowed a little bit as he's gotten older, so he's quite dad-like. So it's quite funny. He'll be he'll throw in like lots of dadisms. <laughs> Makes himself a little bit more human. But um, but yeah, a question I get asked a lot is: Is this big stranglehold ever going to shift? You've even got Zverev like, guys, retire, why don't you? And I'm beginning to feel that they're going to get get their breakthrough when one or other of them goes and they have a bit more of a shot.
1: Oh, God, yeah. I think I just don't see anyone, even, you know, Roger's obviously going to be the first one to retire out of the three of them, but it's even then you should, you've <laughs> still then. got Novak and Raffa to get through as well. Yeah. It's, you know, you lose one and then. You still got those two man mountains to get through. It's you know especially over five sets as well. It's very rare that one of them isn't making you know semi final every single time. It's yeah. you're always gonna have to beat one of those guys, and that's you know that's quite mentally challenging for someone, especially the younger guys who haven't made it through to those stages of grand slams before to have to take one of those guys out and then potentially do it again in the final is still a huge mountain to climb, but it's it's going to be. I think they're. I mean, they're still young-ish. They're still, you know, 31, 32. They've still got a good couple of years ahead of them. And and I think it's just about these these other guys up in their game a little bit more. You know, it's, mm. I think it, it's kind of unprecedented what Roger Raffer and Novak have done and just their sheer consistency and sheer desire to win week in, week out. And it's something that I think the younger guys can learn from and something they're going to have to improve and, until they do that, then the stranglehold on men's tennis is going to keep going. Yeah,
0: I agree. Consistency is, is key, I think. And that's something that we'll we'll see how it washes out in um, in New York. Well, we'll, well, we'll be able to dig in a lot more when we get to uh, next week where um, all the elite people obviously will be practising at, at NYC and um, we'll have like Winston-Salem and the Bronx as well. So, um, So yeah, we'll have one more shot to look at the lesser mortals. <laughs> as they, as they, uh, as they try and um, build up their stuff. But in terms of talking about mortals, what about the miracle man that is Andy Murray, and his comeback to singles? Did you think he was going to come back so soon? And you know, just thoughts on, on his decision at least to not give it a shot at, at New York.
1: I wasn't surprised that he came back in Cincinnati. I, you know, having listened to him in, in press and, and hear how positive he was speaking about how practice had been going how comfortable he felt and things like that I think you know it it wasn't a surprise in the slightest I think you know he he was probably chomping at the bit to get out there and you know seeing all the other guys and being around these tournaments now having played doubles I think he's played sort of four or five tournaments it's he's got to be like really raring and ready to go um so it was really nice to see him back out there but I think it is a smart decision not to play US Open I think you know potentially playing Winston-Salem next week if, you know, things hold up and, and he feels OK. I think that would probably be a smart decision and then obviously playing doubles and mix and then looking to go to Asia, I think, after that, he said. So, you know, what we talked about, whether he could be smart about his scheduling and his desire to want to play, I think we've seen here that he has been smart about it and he's kind of th- focusing on that longevity again. I think that's that's a really good thing um to see.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I've watched his movement quite, quite closely. Um, you know, I think I've did everyone. They're yeah. They're I th- going th- over <laughs> it with a fine-tooth comb. I think most people like, you know, is there a limp? Yeah. Can we see anything wrong? No, I mean, he, he still does his muttering and chuntering to his box, so, you know... He
1: still has the walk as well he still walks a bit like a pigeon but I think that's no but you kind of I think it's just been because he's been in pain for so long it's very hard to get out of that pattern once you've kind of walked a certain way and had to um get used to doing something different I think it's very hard for him to to get out of that pattern but you know it's well, he's obviously said that he's not in pain anymore, which is obviously great, but he he's always one of those guys who looks like there's something wrong with him, even if he's completely fine. <laughs> and we've kind of got used to that over the years.
0: But yeah, he's... um I, I mean... Well, I think what I, I took away the most was, I mean, it was a terrible start. It was like a double fault to start with. And then, you, then he pretty much broke himself. Mm. <laughs> so you're like, OK, fine. This is perhaps a little bit rusty. Um, I think his timing improved in both sets for a spell. But I think what he's lacking is that consistency of match practice and having to cover the whole chord and not just yeah. be like, yours... Yeah, <laughs> I half expect him to do what most doubles players do when they're like yeah, a club level or you know even even below a club level, which is where I am. Where you like? No, yours. <laughs> oh, you missed it. Oh, okay. Um, we've all been guilty of that, haven't we? <laughs> <laughs> I don't so, think um, but but yeah, he he looked like he hadn't pulled up. Um, you know, I've got friends in since he was saying that. You know, he was he he, he seemed very confident that um, that this was the right step. And what was interesting was um, there was an interview on on Prime where. Um he said that he'd set himself a number of markers for you know his speed, you know, shots, I whether think I mar- saw that yeah, well. whether he could rotate through shots. because stuff that we you know and Sam Smith came up with a with something very key that I hadn't really thought about because she was saying, you know, don't forget that major muscles have been cut to to get to fix this. So you've got to have all of those knitting together and they don't just knit together in like a matter of months and then everything's okay sure they knit together but then you've got to retrain them all because you've actually cut in into the muscle i did not even sort of think about it i I noticed that he was a lot leaner because he's lost a lot of that muscle mass but it didn't actually occur to me that you know he's going to have to retrain that whole limb um from scratch basically yeah
1: but you you also get the the scar tissue that that builds up as well and that kind of sticks down i've unfortunately had too many experiences (laughs) of that so it's it's getting rid of that scar tissue as well and that's you know that's another thing that can be a bit of an issue, but you know if he well he what he was saying was when he was deciding about whether to come back, he was talking about all the fitness markers that he had kind of ticked and and him and his team had you know got through these rigorous testing processes and said look you have to be able to do this and this before you can and obviously there was no point in him going on court before he could hit those markers because it it would just be a waste of time yeah. for him that you know he's not it's so hard on that men's tour to to win matches. And if he's not 100% fit, then you know he's not going to be able to do any damage in these draws. And I don't think he'd be doing himself justice either and no. probably wouldn't enjoy it. And he probably didn't get off to the best of stars yesterday, like you said, maybe a slight <laughs> understatement. Um, but I think he'll be so happy to have, have made it back out onto the court. But it yeah, it's a smart decision in terms of longevity. And I think I was reading somewhere as well that he was saying that it's likely that his peak fitness will probably not be until the Australian Open next year because he's got a lot more training and obviously matches to get through and, and things like that. So I think we've got another sort of four or five months before we're going to see him in peak condition.
0: Mm. Well, it's comforting that he's saying that because at Wimbledon, he was trying to set an expectation that it could be at Wimbledon again before he's ready to be playing at that kind of level. So if he's brought that back to Australia, that is a, a, a real a, a real good sign. But hey, look, I mean... I'm just happy that the guy can tie his shoelaces and play with his kids and go walk the dogs and do the normal stuff that, you know, that we take for granted, that you forget that, you know, if you can't do that without pain, you. you I think that's why he's he has this, oh, I mean, he's still chunking to his box, but he still has that kind of love for the game so much that he was just desperate to come back no matter what. Um, yeah, it's good. It's good to see him back again. Um, so we shall see. We shall see. We might be we won't make a doubles player out of him yet. Uh, it was. Wow, yeah, you
1: never know.
0: <laughs> um, on the flip side, though, uh, so Joe Conta played uh, first match, and she did look rusty in Toronto, and Toronto has never been a good match, uh, good good place for her. I think she's always done better in Montreal. She's there's something about Toronto that's a bit of a bunk bear for her and so it was again she lost to Diana Rostremska. in a pretty it was a pretty tight match but just too rusty and then she lost again um, to Rebecca Peterson, and it was it was a good match. I mean she she was caught napping in the first set and was one fall down came you know came back a little bit but you know the set was gone. She did her usual right. I shall show you. <laughs> um, and I'll came sleeves and... <laughs> up yeah, yeah, She literally did actually. She she upped her game for serve was a lot better. And I I often found that when her serve is good, everything else falls into place. Um, and Pedersen had her father out um, for a pep talk, and then just fallen off a cliff straight afterwards. But then all of a sudden, um, in the third set, she she gave herself a couple of come ons. Was four one up. Joe did really well to get it back to five five. And then just got picked at the uh, at the edge, and again I just feel that's, um, a little bit of lacking of sort of match practice and closing it out, and maybe a bit of a hangover from like the two big losses at, at Wimbledon and Roland Garros. I just, just, I don't know. Yeah,
1: just maybe a little bit, just not being brave enough in those those crucial points, and I guess that's maybe what she potentially didn't do in those two losses as well that she did maybe just wasn't quite brave enough and. Maybe that is playing on her mind again, I'm not sure, but with Jo, she can always turn it around, that's the thing, she, she's she got so much belief in herself and, and the tennis that she can bring to the court that, you know, she, I think she's playing the Bronx next week.
0: I she, believe she. Well, she's down for it.
1: Yeah, it'd be interesting to see whether she decides she wants to play and try and get some more matches, or if she wants to have a, a week's preparation and get to flushing early and uh, get used to the conditions, but I think it'd be good for her to go and try and get a few matches under her belt and... And see if she can just string a couple of matches together. Because I think if she can, then I think she can do well at New York. You know, she's had success there before and and has played well. So she, she does have good memories of feeling good. I remember a couple of night matches she played on Arthur Ash and she's just played incredible. So, you know, she knows she can play well there. And again, it's just a it's just a couple of matches. I think it's pretty much synonymous with a women's game, you know, women get through a couple of matches and all of a sudden they can go on a run no matter who it is. So I wouldn't I wouldn't be too concerned with Jo.
0: No, I'm not, I, I don't feel as concerned because that was a more competitive match, and she, it wasn't that she wasn't competitive in Toronto, but she did look rusty, timing was off, and just looked a little bit, like, slow in, in, in the legs, whereas this, she, you know, like you say, she the second set, she was like, right, I'll show you, rolled up her sleeves, um, and then came back really, really well. Um... And I, you know, I'm sure for those people that just absolutely hate the positive framing that she does around her matches, they're probably pulling their hair out thinking, why aren't you beating some qualifier? I mean, that was it. I was watching BBC Breakfast, and they were saying, oh, you know, she lost to a qualifier. I thought, what you've got to remember about a qualifier is they've had loads more time to get used to these courts and get some match practice under under their legs. You can practice all you like on the Cincy courts, but it's nothing compared to actually playing a match. But
1: also, I think people forget how... Good these qualifiers are we're not talking about someone who's a thousand in the world here she i'm not sure what rebecca's ranking is but
0: she's, she's in she's not the top 100 i think yeah Eighteen ninety three something like yeah, that. yeah she's
1: an incredible player she's got a big kick serve a big forehand that's gonna kind of rear off on these american hardcores and you know that's tough to play against and once you know she's feeling confident having had matches in qualifying so i think people can overlook that sometimes i think she's playing a qualifier Ah, it's easy she's gonna win first round and then when she does then everyone's just like oh my god what's going on <laughs> yeah so I think people need to
0: maybe have a little bit more
1: perspective
0: um, but yeah that's that's the uh, that's the thing like um, and also these courts I think get resurfaced every year and they play with the pen balls that fluff up like a hamster that's been put in a tumble dryer I mean they just come out as big puff balls um, and with that forehand the, the ball just rips through the air it's very bouncy. Out here, from what I remember watching uh, matches at Cincy, the ball just flies.
1: That'll suit Rebecca's forehand because. She's got a monster forehand. I played against her and I played doubles with her as well. And you want her on your side of the court (laughs) ripping those forehands. You don't want to be against her. So, uh, you know, that wasn't an easy match Mm. at all. And it wasn't. Obviously, people think it's probably a bad loss. But, you know, what Rebecca can bring to the court, it's. I think it was good for her to get that time on the match court as well and I think probably will benefit her going into next week as well or
0: getting getting three setter under a belt yeah
1: exactly I think maybe the match in Toronto went a little bit quickly I don't think it was obviously as tight as this one so it'd be good to get kind of get the the matches or the match time on court but you know obviously she wants the win but hopefully next week she can just get more match practice and get a little bit of confidence we shall
0: see. What about the other... Let's have let a quick round-up of the other bits. And the other news that came out this week, of course, somewhat surprising, is that uh, Dan Evans and uh, David Felgate have split up. And David Felgate put his his sort of eggs in the Evans basket after, after he came back from his drugs ban, when probably nobody really wanted to touch him. And his comeback has been a little short of miraculous yeah Yeah, phenomenal um you know it's been a great comeback for him and you know i've always said that his talent has never been in doubt um he's you know he is a very talented tennis player it's just whether his mind was in the game so i I fear for him a little bit because he's 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 not done badly on, on the american swing as well and he had that great grass court season um, I don't know, I think there's something more to it. I, I, it just makes no sense before a slam. Yeah, I, I agree.
1: I think that there could be potentially more to it than we will find out. Yeah. Um, there has to be a reason, because he has been with him every step of the way since the comeback, and they've had so much success this year. It's, it is a little bit strange, I think, and yeah, there must be something that's kind of gone on behind the scenes or something, or maybe he's got someone else lined up, because I can't imagine... Dan really wanting to travel on his own. I d- I'm not sure he's the biggest fan of traveling. I think that's no. probably been an issue in the past with being away from home. It's something he's not really enjoyed, and that's you know potentially why he's had some problems and things like that. Um, so it will be interesting to see who's going to be in his box at, at U.S. Open. And yeah, I don't I don't know. There's I think there's something a bit fishy about that. Yeah, it's you're
0: right. I mean, um, you know, Lindell Smith had, had said that um, a long while back that. Um, It it was always difficult to get him out to travel. He he doesn't like that aspect. He doesn't like being away from home, and also I think um, at Wimbledon he was sort of opening up that you know how Felgate really works him hard. You know I mean he's he's trained with um, he's trained with like Federer a couple of times just to see what it's like to you know and being like Federer's hitting partner and pal. So you know, for him for the for that to end and that kind of influence and motivator to end is is a little worrying. Um, at such a pivotal point in his comeback.
1: Yeah, I I don't know. It's it is an interesting one. and I think maybe something else will come out of it, and you know we'll hear a little bit more. But yeah, I think it will be uh, it will be good to see who who is with him. I don't know if Leon potentially will be with him at, at Flushing Meadows and and be in his box. Or I feel like there's got to be someone. because I don't feel like he's a guy who can be left alone (laughs) yeah i do feel bad saying that but no i agree with you but i do feel like he he does need someone there to sort of help him out and kind of lead him down the right path without really giving him that push (laughs) making him think it's all his own idea so yeah yeah i think it's going to be an interesting couple of weeks and i hope it doesn't derail all the good work that he has done because like you said it's been phenomenal his comeback it, the amount of wins he's got I think I read somewhere it was about 46 wins this year which is crazy already yeah. um and it it does seem like he he kind of he hasn't peaked yet and there's still does feel like there's a lot more to come mm. I think he's shown so much potential especially against these top guys and even last week having set points against Nadal in that first set you know he shows he can play with the big boys and has got a game to worry them so you know you don't want this to to become an issue and and derail it which would be a shame
0: well of course later on today we've got Edmund playing Medvedev uh chance a little bit of revenge after being (laughs) splattered completely yeah in Montreal I mean that was was yeah three Three games games, 59 minutes not even an hour on court I mean that—that's the kind of conversation we have about Tomich and Kyrios, not <laughs> yeah. not Kyle Edmund.
1: No, true, but I think uh, hopefully Carl gave a little bit more effort than those two guys do sometimes. But yeah, it was it was a weird one. You know, he had that good victory over Kyrios in the first round. And you thought we're making progress, but I think that's kind of been the thing with Carl's whole year. Yeah. We have one good victory, and we think oh, we've turned a corner, and then the next round is sort of it's a bit lackluster, and and it just can't quite seem to gain that momentum and yeah i don't know this just seems to be something lacking with kyle at the moment i'm not sure if it's confidence i don't know whether it's just a lack of training that he manages to put in to for a long pro- prolonged period of time or i don't know if it's a mental block I'm, I'm not really sure it just seems to be a bit of a struggle at the moment for
0: yeah kyle. He's, he's had a couple of injuries and in in france he was very um very cryptic with his, like, I'm not going to tell you what's wrong because it's my body. And it's like, well, you know, we're just asking whether there's an an issue with the knee. He kind of hinted that, you know, hopefully you don't go down the surgery route. Um, You know, he's pulled the record a couple of times with injuries and you just wonder what he's sort of trying to protect. Um, But yeah, you know, I'm, I'm more worried actually about Edmund as our British number one going into New York than I am about Joe.
1: I, I'm, I probably would be as well. I think, I I don't know, with Kyle, it's, it's a hard one because, you know, we he did the same thing at Wimbledon. He had an, a decent first-round win and then two sets of love up against Fernando and then it all oh. sort of went a bit Pete Tong, really, didn't it? <laughs> after that, you know, he had that little slip and he just couldn't quite yeah. seem to recover after that and it, it wouldn't surprise me if he, you know, got through that first round and then sort Mm. of capitulated a little bit in that second round but it I don't know it feels like there's so much potential there that's kind of being wasted
0: at the moment I mean he's a hard worker you know you can't fault well certainly a few years back you couldn't fault his work ethic but you know he was he was going to Andy Murray's training blocks you know flailing around as knackered as Andy was you know being worked really hard so you know his work ethic has never really been questioned as opposed to maybe say Dan in his in his earlier mad bad days but he does seem
1: to live breathe and sleep tennis I think how it does in comparison yeah. to a lot of the other guys. Yeah. I think I don't know. Maybe he just needs to relax a little bit more. Possibly. I don't. I don't know. That's just seems to maybe that he just needs a little bit of a change. But I'm not sure what it is that he can change at the moment.
0: Well, I think he was derailed when he lost um his coach, uh, Frederick um Rosengren, and yeah. he. I think that caught him by surprise because uh, in Indian Wells he was sort of saying, you know, normally you're the one that parts company with the coach and, you know, I I just got this. Yep, I've had enough and I'm retiring. And, you know, it's like you're not even going to see him in the tour with somebody else that you could go and ask him a question. He's gone for good. And, you know, that seems to really throw him. And, um, and yeah, he, he just he's just not really been the same player since no he hasn't it's
1: yeah ju- there's just been something that's been missing and they haven't quite found that spark again and it could be the coach you know it's once you build a rapport with a coach and you feel comfortable you feel safe and they can motivate you it's it's hard finding that with someone else and I don't know if he's necessarily been able to so you know it, it's it is a shame because he obviously was starting to fulfill the potential that he had yeah. showed and and it, Yeah, it, it is a shame, but hopefully he can just just get on a run at one of these tournaments and just get a bit of momentum going. And I think that could change things, but this year has been a little bit of a write-off, hasn't it?
0: <laughs> just a little bit. Um, so we've got, um, obviously, Cincinnati with... We've got Federer back. I mean, today is at Stacked. Um, I'm just thinking. Right, I haven't got anything to get up for tomorrow. So I could actually just sit upstairs. <laughs> um, although my, uh, my 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 Skybox upstairs gave me a fr- uh, a fright because it's decided that it's too far away from the network. And every now and again, I'll we'll just like decide no, I'm not going to play anything. <laughs> it's like don't make me come and sit down here in my pajamas I watch tennis. But um, but yeah, it's a stacked yeah, you know, it's a stacked draw since he's actually done you know very well. We got we got Djokovic back, we have got Federer back. Um, Dominic team actually. With you know re- retired in his match i think in fact there have been a lot of retirements today since but we it. have
1: serena back as well which is a little bit of a shock i wasn't expecting her to be playing here no. That's for sure.
0: no i and that's that's like super late on tonight so it'll be interesting to see um how she goes
1: i suppose it's given her the most time to recover she's had the latest start she possibly can you know she's literally the not before 8.30 tonight, I think. And, and it's
0: not a bad start for a Serena Diaz, who's okay, but shouldn't be an issue for her. But then Diaz will just come out. I mean, I'm sure she's played Serena before. Yeah, I remember Where she's playing, been like probably, a lamb slaughter.
1: Yeah, I think I remember them playing a couple of times, but I remember Diaz really going for it one time, and it was a pretty close battle they had, but if Serena is recovered from those spasms that she had, you would think that it should be fairly comfortable with the way she was playing last week. But then, you know, it does really depend on how much practice she's been able to get and get used to these courts in Cincinnati. Mm. because they will be different to what she played on last week. So,
0: um,
1: yeah, I'm a little bit surprised, but it it will definitely be interesting to wake up
0: tomorrow and see what's happened. So who do we think is going to... Right, (laughs) this. Play your cards the right, time.
1: Oh, I just saw is playing
0: Sharapova. Yes. Oh, I didn't. Well, yes, that I'm, I'm. more surprised that Sharapova actually won a match. I to know, be absolutely honest I with her. you,
1: I saw the same, and I was a bit like, "Oh Ooh. my god!" Even Sabalenka getting a victory she hasn't, I know. She hasn't been doing that well one recently. One good thing
0: to see back is that um, Petra is back. Petra Kvitova. Um, after that four, because the weird thing about Kvitova was she lost to Joe in Wimbledon and then didn't bother with her press um obligations. It's unlike her, which well. is very unlike her um and I know the I'm an honorary Czech. um and I, <laughs> I i I love the I love the Czech journalists, um so I toddled across the bridge to find out if they knew anything, and they were like y- y- you know the same as us uh the team the team were here, and Petra wasn't um so we don't really know what's happened, but you know she's back and testing it out, so that's you know, and, and that's not an easy match against Marissa Kari to be absolutely honest with you when you're coming back. Off injury, Sloane Stephens. Oh, I was gonna say Sloane Stephens won a match, but she didn't. shed a bye. <laughs> <laughs> I was almost excited. She's got feet in the saber, which is not great for her. No, but it.
1: But again, Sloane can just turn it on, and she could easily wipe the floor with her if. If she if goes Jesus. all, yeah, if she goes all guns blazing, then, you know, it, she could easily win that one. But then she could easily get frustrated by it and lose. So, <laughs> you know. Um, not really putting a prediction out there again. <laughs> shot
0: what around. about this one? Burtons and Williams. That's quite a tasty little number. Oh, well, for the benefit of people listening. <laughs> <it? laughs> I forget the people can't
1: see I'm <laughs> pointing to the TV uh, that's yes. Oh,
0: wow. And actually, Williams is 5-2 up against <laughs> Burtons. Okay, so maybe that's not going to be quite as tasty as we thought then. <laughs> um, uh, and then Halep still to get going. We don't know who she's going to face. Um... And then Naomi Osaka. Now, it'll be interesting to watch how she does. She does seem a lot more relaxed, though. She did seem a little happier in in, uh, Toronto.
1: It's quite nice to see, wasn't it? Just a little bit more calm, and hopefully she can kind of keep that going. But we were saying that hopefully now she feels a little bit more comfortable back on the hard courts, and she can just relax and enjoy her tennis a little bit more. And I think once she does that I think that's when she can play her best tennis but you know she obviously hasn't had as many matches probably over the recent months as she would want but you know this is definitely a chance for her to to gain a bit of form
0: yeah yeah I mean that you know again that was a good win for Serena over her um and it was a good you know a good match when she but she seemed perfectly fine at at the net there didn't seem to be any kind of crisis of confidence uh and then of course on the men's side well nadal has sensibly pulled out of of here um cue a lot of people on twitter saying well how dare he why you know now that roger is in that section of the drawer it's not fair um and people need a bit of education that yeah once the main draw started you can't actually then shift people around <laughs> you can you can when the drawer hasn't started yet but once the actual draw is started, you can't suddenly just pluck Roger Federer from <laughs> Novak Djokovic's section of the draw and pop him at the bottom. No, didn't um, it not quite work like that. No, no, but it was quite entertaining to, to watch Twitter explode in fury. <laughs>
1: Standard. Um, but him. yes, it's,
0: it's not a fantastic draw for him because he is in that half of the draw with Djokovic, um, who, of course, got over the line for the first time at Cincy and that collected the four masters set. Um, the other thing that ground our gears was people calling it the Golden Masters. It's like it's not a golden anything. It's not an Olympic thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a full set of masters. Stop adding golden to it. To it. It's quite an impressive. But it is,
1: thing to put on your resume, though, isn't it? Yeah, it to really add is. Uh, the countless other things that he has as well.
0: <laughs> but who do we, So we do we see anybody other than Djokovic ending up in the final? Probably not. Well the only person that can stop him really is Federer.
1: Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how Federer kinda comes back after having had a little bit of time off and I saw Djokovic was playing doubles yesterday, so at least he's he's got a practice match under his belt to to get used to the course, but he doesn't have an easy first round against Query. That's that's a tricky first round to to get back in and there potentially (laughs) isn't God. Good luck returning, no, says, But um, you know. But if
0: somebody if somebody can do it, it's gonna be him.
1: Yeah, most definitely. But I think you you would think that he's gonna come through that. And even if he doesn't, I think he. It's right. not gonna to be too fussed about it, <laughs> is he really?
0: No, and I, th- I think I've, yeah I think with Djokovic once once he once he finally got that win, that was like a big monkey off his back because you know Cincinnati just seemed to be the one thing that was just denying him. Um but
1: I just saw that Kyrgios is in his quarter mm. of the draw. You know, if Kyrgios <gasps> can pull his finger out, and they can, that would be a bit needle, though. Yeah, no, it would be. It'd be good <laughs> to see though, because Kyrgios always lifts his level when he plays against the big guys. So that would, that yeah. would be, an interesting match to, to watch.
0: So we've got no team. So what do we think about the the youngsters? So we've got Tsitsipas and Zverev. Um, well, Tsitsipas is in Djokovic's section, but. And Zverev is at the top of the other section.
1: To be honest, I was quite surprised that Felix Ojeda seemed lost. I thought I mean, fairly comfortably as well. Mm. I didn't. I didn't really see that coming, and Nick Kyrgilich is not really finding any form either. Nice. He's really struggling at the moment, and normally he quite likes these American hard courts, and obviously being a former U.S. Open champion. But again, he's another one who doesn't seem to have any form at the moment, and. I feel like the, the bottom half of the draw is there for the taking, really. Yeah. The,
0: it's incredibly everyone. lopsided this, this year. <laughs> um, you've know, and uh, you, you've got to bear in mind at this stage, a lot of the elite pl- players do have the fact that it's like, well, blue here early, go straight to Flushing.
1: Yeah, it doesn't really matter too much to them because for the most part they know, I mean, you know someone like Djokovic, or Roger Raffa, for the most part they'll be they're not going out the first couple of rounds are they really? So no. in New York, you know they're gonna get sort of two, three matches that first week and then then the business end really starts for them and it's usually pretty comfortable. So you know, they're not really that fussed about about this week and it, it is a chance for maybe one of the other guys to have a good run, especially in that bottom half of the draw. Yeah. It'd be interesting to see if Zverev can really step up because that could be a potentially season changing tournament if he could get a good run going and yeah. and take some form going into US Open.
0: I mean let's be honest, really it's um it's very of an Ishikori that it's there for the taking.
1: They're the stand ones in the yeah. in the
0: bottom half,
1: but would you count on either of those two getting through? Probably Nope. Probably <laughs> not really
0: <laughs> Nope. No, you know that's that you know that gif of uh, it's Homer Simpson disappearing back into the head with no Yeah that's me. Um, I think you could be right. <laughs> well We'll come back and have a look at how our predictions went uh, next week. So next week, obviously, is the light week. So Winston-Salem and the Bronx for the lesser mortals, or people that do feel that they need a little bit more practice, and Andy Murray, of course. So that's a big, that's a big coup for, for Winston-Salem to you know, that'll, that'll get bums on seats and in a tournament that probably suffers from the fact that it is the week before the US Open and all the big names will, will give it a miss
1: it's tough it is tough for those tournaments the week before because the big guys and the, the big girls don't tend to want to play they would rather get used to the conditions of flushing and and kind of get that weeks of good preparation in and the other people need it for rankings points you know it's in that sense it's good because there will be a lot of players playing but obviously in terms of the big high profile names they they just never play the week before and you know it is smart because if they're looking to go two weeks at the US Open, they don't want any additional fatigue from no. the week before. So, uh, yeah, I'm actually really looking forward to seeing what the draw throws up next week and, and see who, who's going to come through. It'll be, it'll be interesting for one of the kind of lesser known <laughs> name players, yeah. per se, to, to have a good week there and, and that could kickstart their US Open
0: okay well we'll have a look next week we'll be back next week uh and also we'll be building up our own uh ramping up to uh to the u.s open so you have of course been listening to ross satire and anna smith <laughs> uh thank you for listening we'll see you next week